Hey everyone, Alex here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Books with Sam Mello. Before beginning this episode, just a quick disclaimer. So this episode was originally recorded on June 7th, 2020, which is a little over a week after the senseless murder of George Floyd. Emotions were raw at the time, so I was saying a few words um, before the episode began. And I don't want to repeat too much because... Quite unfortunately, um, a lot of what I would say now is exactly the same as I would say um, during the time. So just a quick disclaimer there. And um, as always, Black Lives Matter. Um, So with that being said, um, please enjoy this episode of Beyond the Books with Sam Mello. To see the episode with the pictures and videos used during the interview, go to the YouTube version of this podcast. Go to YouTube.com and search Beyond the Books Med and see the interview with the pictures and videos there. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Books. Uh, My name is Alex Chong. And uh, before we get started on our interview with Sam Mello today, uh, I just want to say a few words about what's going on. Uh, Obviously, this uh, week, past two weeks, has been very difficult for a lot of us in a lot of different ways. Uh, We are seeing, we are witnessing, and way overdue finally addressing some of the racial injustices that are going on in this country. Um, It's important that we continue to stay aware of this and that we continue to fight the good fight to ensure that situations such as George Floyd's uh, does not happen again. Um, Some encouraging news today just breaking. Um, The Minneapolis Police Department has um, has um, been ordered by the council to undergo extensive reform and change, um, including stuff like um, putting more, putting less money in the police department and the militarization side and putting more money into the communal side. So there's definitely a lot of hope. I know Indianapolis is also um, looking into reform as well. Um, I just encourage you all to keep using your voices. Um, our voices as shown to be very powerful in this country, which is a huge blessing. And uh, we just got to make sure that these changes are going through. Uh, With that being said, today's forecast, 82 degrees under sunny skies. Perfect to get conditions for a podcast. Uh, Welcome to Beyond the Books, where we go deep into the backgrounds and stories of our future healthcare heroes. I'm very excited to have um, Sam Mello. She is from Florida, and she has traveled all the way to Indiana. Sam, how are you doing? Oh, hello. Hi. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Sam, we have one mission today. Today's <laughs> mission is to prove that Sam Mello is more than just a medical student. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right. Ready to get started? I am. Thanks for oh, having me. Of course. Absolutely. So the MO, kind of the same pattern I've been following for these past episodes was that I like dig into like a first high school job or what have you. Uh, but first of all, I couldn't find your LinkedIn. So that was kind of thrown out the window. But there was one job you had during um, your time at University of Florida that was so interesting that we just have to do that one first. Um, so Sam, what can you tell me about your days as a, I think it's cycling class instructor at the UF Recreational Center? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was the best job ever. I loved it. I did it for three years. Oh, there I am. Mm -hmm. I did it for three years. 
it was awesome. I had a strong crew that would come out and take my classes pretty religiously for a couple of years. And it was just so much fun. You know, it's great to see the same faces and see their transformations. It was just awesome. I can't say enough about it, really. How big were your classes? The biggest were 20 people, so not huge. Mm -hmm. um, but it usually ranged from, so in this room, it was 15. And then in the other room, you could fit 20. Got you. And what, what was your class like? Was it a cycling class or was there a little bit more to it? Um, no, it was mostly cycling. But we obviously brought in like life aspects and motivational aspects. And I had a running playlist. So the students that came back could add on whatever song they want. And I would promise to play it within the next two classes. So that could get very interesting, but it was really fun. And I think it kept everyone kind of engaged and felt like we were all part of a team. So that was great. Gotcha. You did Monday, Wednesday, and Friday classes, right? Alex, you dug so deep. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, it depended on the semester. So I taught for, I guess, six semesters. So it would change every semester. Um, but I would try to do three to four classes a week. And sometimes I would do like one at 6 a.m. and one at 6 p.m. So that was a time. But yes, I would try to do at least three or four a week. Yeah, you transitioned perfectly to my next question was that do you kind of notice a different mood between the people who come in at 6 a.m. versus the people who come in at 6 p.m.? Definitely, definitely. Um, sometimes we have like teachers come at 6 a.m. Okay. That was really fun. It was more of an adult crowd at 6 a.m. Not adult, I guess we're all adults, but like teachers or staff at UF. So that was fun. And then in the evening, it was more like younger students. Got you. And, um, Another curiosity I had, now I've never done a cycling class, so this could be just total ignorance on my <laughs> part here. See, the thing I wouldn't understand is um, obviously like you have to make classes a little bit different each time. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the ways you kind of discovered already was having the students um, add on to the playlist at the end. What other strategies or kind of planning did you do to kind of keep the classes fresh for everybody? Um, I think the playlist is like, the most important thing and that I thought was the hardest part of planning is making a solid playlist that was up to date and fun but also I like a very choreographed class so I would choreograph I know it sounds so lame I would choreograph like every single song so I would do like countdowns and things like that and every song was a little bit different and sometimes people would come up at the end of class and say like I know this song and I think we should do this to it and like for someone to say something you're like oh my god you're so engaged so I really took a lot of feedback in making my classes but it's just fun I mean it, it really can't go poorly for the most part so yeah is there right now if you had to pick like an awesome motivational song it's like okay you've biked for how long were your classes like a bit about an hour or so maybe mm -hmm. yeah so it's minute 55 you're exhausted you have to push for those last five minutes what is one song that um you think is like a good push it to the end song Oof. okay i don't know if i remember the name but there was this mashup on youtube and it was a millie okay <laughs> it was called power i'm pretty sure it was a mix up of like four different songs and 
it was just so good. I'll, I'll think of it and I will let you know. But it, it's not on Spotify or iTunes or anything like that. It was actually a song that this instructor whose classes I went to in high school would play at the end of every single one of her classes. And her like cousin or something created it. Very long-winded. But anyways, I would play it at the end of like any hard class or at least at the end of one class a week. And it was just like a fun thing to do. And like everyone's like, oh yes, that playlist. Yes, I yeah, know what this is. Yeah, exactly. Kind of pick up their spirits. That's so cool that you got it from another um, teacher and another from a different environment as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, Sam. So let's get out of this picture here. All right, Sam. Speaking of the University of Florida, uh, I kind of want to play a game, and this is a game I completely made up myself. And this is going to be a game called How Florida Is This? Because as you might or as you probably are aware of, um, a lot of unusual news headlines start something with like Florida man, blah, 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 right? It's unfortunate. So uh, I thought it would be fun to kind of pull up just three random headlines that I found while going on the internet. We'll rate them like one to 10 of how Florida is this. And then I'll ask you a question about uh, growing up in Florida. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, let's pull up the first article here. Um, okay, so this guy. Sam, how much do you like Wendy's? Oof, I'm not a big Wendy's gal. Okay, so it's probably, that's probably a good thing that you're not a Wendy's fan because this incident occurred in a Wendy's. Headline reads, assault. Ooh, are you there, Sam? Hey everybody, uh, looks like we got back Sam. Sorry about the internet troubles there. Uh, we're about to show the first article of the game, How Florida Is This? So let's go ahead and share the first article here. So headline reads, assault with a deadly weapon. Florida man charged with throwing alligator into Wendy's. So it's a 24 year old man. Um, he says that Steve Irwin is his idol. And uh, he decided to play a prank by, uh, this was like 1.30 in the morning, and decides to throw an alligator into Wendy's. Sam, what is your reaction to this article? Is this a common occurrence in your area? Um, there are a lot of alligators where I went to college. So this honestly wouldn't be, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. This wouldn't be that shocking. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, so I would give it a nine out of ten. Very Florida. Very Florida. Okay. Have you ever have you ever been close to an alligator? I have. Close? Yes, yeah. I've actually held one. They would have them at all of the fairs, like baby alligators. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. So I've held them before, but even like walks, going on walks or runs around campus, they're just like laying across the sidewalk. Gotcha. <laughs> I know that sounds really crazy, but they are. And you just step over them and that's that. And you kind of get used to it, right? You do. It's weird. Got you. Because I know if I saw an alligator, I would be very terrified. So Yes, they're scary, but normally they're okay. They're okay. Okay. All right. So Sam, the first question I have for you while you were growing up in Florida is that, okay, so growing up in Indiana, if we are like looking for something to do on the weekend, we may go to the movies or uh, hang out, hang out like a local park. We're feeling crazy, maybe we're going downtown. But you all in Florida have a much more 
variety of options. You have like Universal Studios, you have Disney World, you have SeaWorld. So where was like the place to be? Like, was there one theme park that like kind of lorded over the other two? Um, I would say a lot of people go to Universal, mm -hmm. but we also have a lot of like local theme parks. Like in Tampa, where I grew up, we have Busch Gardens, which is kind of like Six Flags. Mm -hmm. And we would usually go there, but yeah, I would say of like the Disney Universal area, a lot of people go to Universal or Epcot. You can drink around the world at Epcot. Got you. Is there, um, how many times have you been to Universal Studio or Disney? Honestly, not that many. I know that's probably surprising. Um, but my family just didn't go very much. I've probably been to Disney World like maybe three times. Okay. okay. <laughs> not very many. I feel like that happens a lot though, because like when there's like something so close to you, it's like, oh, I can go to it. Exactly. Anytime. I have a free week, I'm gonna go fly somewhere. And yeah. you kind of end up um, not seeing the places, the places closest to you, um, not as much. Definitely. Uh, as you expect. Um, okay, are you ready for the second Florida article? <laughs> I think I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's do this. So let's share the screen here. Headline reads, man trying to run from Florida to Bermuda <laughs> in an inflatable bubble rescued by Coast Guard, not for the first time, but this was his <laughs> second attempt. Mm -hmm. um, have you heard of this story before? I have not. You have not. Okay, so let's share, let's show you what the bubble looked like, just so people can get an idea of what um, a bubble, the bubble looked like here. So here's the bubble, a nice little contraption here, and here's the background story. So he was actually trying to run across the world in this little bubble. But the Coast Guard won't let him because they thought, you know, it's too dangerous. He's going to overheat in the bubble. Probably not a good idea. Sam, being a native of Florida, oh. do a lot of people try to run away in bubbles? I have never heard of this before, actually. I would say maybe a five out of ten. Five out of ten. Okay, so now it's Florida is chucking alligators into it. Definitely not. Definitely not. Okay. All right, so after transitioning from this article here, all right, Sam, uh, give, me, give me a little bit of idea of the University of Florida nightlife. Was it, more, was it more popular? Would you rather, if it was like a Friday night, go to go sip cheap drinks at uh, balls or go to the salty spittoon? <laughs> oh, this is great. Um, we went to balls all the time. Yes. <laughs> the drinks were like, Maybe a dollar. Yes. Oh, there we are. Right yes. at Falls, our favorite place. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, it was very cheap. It was very dirty, but it was so much fun. And every time you go, you know that your friends are gonna be there. Like when does that ever happen? I was talking about this the other day. When are you going to walk into a bar and you know that at least like five of your friends will be present? That's just such a college thing. So yes. We're ball, ball scouts. Absolutely. Oh, is that what is that what it's called? Ball scouts? Is that really what it's called? No. no. Oh, okay. Got you. They kind this of, kind of called, This event, though, everybody wore all jean, and it's called the balls ball. Oh, what is that? What? 
It was just an event that my sorority had every year that was like a ball. It was a joke. But we yeah. wore all jean for seniors week. So this was senior year at the balls ball. <laughs> Very cool. And um, I should have asked you this before we got in there, but did you ever participate in something called Gator Stompin'? I don't think I did. Okay. Gator it, Stompin'. It's, it's, some, it's some sort of bar, bar crawl. I'm not sure if undergrad students or graduate students do this, but I was kind of curious if... Um, if um, you ever heard of ever participated in it but um let's say you're trying to okay you've gone to balls um you had um some drinks there it's a good start to the evening where was the one place to kind of end the night like a club or like something like that um hmm, we would usually go next door to um it's called salty <laughs> oh, sal salty Spatoon? salty dog oh salty dog okay salty yes dog. very okay. close yeah um they also had cheap drinks and it was right next door. You could walk like 10 feet and it was right there. But they also had food, which was mm. the key. So they would have platters okay. of fried food. Like they would have mac and cheese, fried triangle, so good. Or they would have like chicken tender, whatever. They had food and that was very important. So food right there. Got you. All right. Uh, another question before we move on to the final article here. Um, so obviously the University of Florida football team is much better than the Indiana University football team. I will be the first to admit that. Um, do you have any memories of uh, cheering on the football team from the swamp? Yes, I will say so. I went my first Indiana University game, yes. football game. I was in a little bit of shock because the student section was empty. Yeah. That just like would never, <laughs> that would never happen at UF. No matter, we stood, I stood in the rain for so long one game, all of us had to get brand new cell phones. What? Yes, we oh, stood in the rain, Ooh. like our phones are waterlogged, all of our cash was like soaked. I mean, you just, you go all out. So yeah. we would go in the rain, we would go the noon games. The first game I ever went to was a noon game my freshman year. So obviously the game is at noon and you're in Florida. So it's like 105 degrees or something. Oh, yeah. It's like 105 degrees in the stadium. And in the student section, you're directly in the sunlight. So people will pass out throughout the game and they have medics just come and grab people from the student section and carry them off. And you're just like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Cause it's so hot and people are drinking or they're tired, whatever. And they just pass out and it's very like normal. And I was, a little alarmed but then it's just the north <laughs> yeah it's hot <laughs> so rainy yeah, but we fun. go to war yeah but it's fun right it, it was very fun yes who would you say is um florida's biggest rival is it florida state is it miami or who would you say is the biggest rival here it's florida state florida no state. question about it yeah for that game every year it's usually on big or like the thanksgiving weekend game so you would travel to wherever it was, which is, it could be in Tallahassee at FSU, or it could be in Gainesville. Everybody goes. So fun. There's often a little bit of fighting or, you know, bickering, whatever. Um, but it's so fun. What will be a rivalry game without bickering or fighting, right? We don't know. Yeah, exactly. It'll be a huge mystery. <laughs> All right, Sam, I got one more um, Florida thing that I need you to rank here. Um, it's going to be in video form rather than um, oh a headline form because I thought this was something else. So <laughs> let's pull it up here. 
going to share the screen. I'm going to make sure the volume is working okay. Oh, no. Share computer sound. Okay. Let's play this here. So the headline is, man caught on camera stealing a peacock. After all the running into and out of the frame of Jasper's surveillance cameras in what looks like a scene from the Roadrunner, only with peacocks, he gets what he came for. Bird tucked under his arm, he sprints to his truck with an angry mob of peacocks on his tail. All the other peacocks, they run behind him. With seven news cameras rolling, Jasper... All right, Sam, so we had a guy. He picks up, a, he really wants a peacock, I guess. Goes to a lady's house who, I guess, owns a lot of peacocks. Picks one up, tucks it under his arm, sprints, and then the peacocks chase after him. Mm-hmm. What, what's your reaction to this? You know, I didn't know that Florida had many peacocks, you know, around. And I've never heard of people, like, stealing them or trading them. But outside of the peacock itself, this situation sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> Scale so, 1 to 10, what's the Florida score on this one? Probably a 7. 7? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Wendy's alligator wins the Florida battle. For sure. For, For sure. sure. All right. Awesome. Okay, Sam. So my last question is that obviously you had to move from Florida to Indiana um, in order to get started at med school here. What's one thing about Indiana that surprised you? Hmm. I would say, I think that it's, oh, that's me and my mom. I think that it just has so much more. This is not going to sound great, but when (laughs) people say, (laughs) so sorry, when people say, oh, you're moving to Indiana, like even people in Indiana said, oh, you're from Florida. Why do you live here? Things like that. And you're just like, why would you say that? But, you know, people that don't live here think like you're in the middle of nowhere and you're not. Okay. Like, there's just so much to do, and I think, especially in Bloomington, there's a lot of nature and trails and hiking. You don't really get, you don't hike in Florida. Where are you going to hike? On the beach? So, yeah. Well, I really like that. So, I love that about Bloomington, and there's a lot of just, like, outdoor things to do, and it's not that hot. Um, I just think I was surprised pleasantly by how much life there is here, where other people act like there's nothing here. They're wrong. Yeah, how did um, your friends, re- you, you said, is that how your friends reacted? It's like, Indiana? What's in Indiana? Exactly. <laughs> They're like, do they have internet there? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> it's horrible. But even people now, when they see my driver's license, I know. Yeah. But like at regular, like when I'm at a bar or something, they're like, oh, from Florida? Why the heck do you live here? I'm like, you should like where you live. It's nice here. Is there, is there one thing that Indiana doesn't have, that Florida does have, that you do miss while living in Indiana? Um, probably just the water. I grew up on the water. I love being on the water. There are definitely a lot more like lakes and rivers here than I had expected. But I think just like the open bay or the ocean, I definitely miss. Absolutely. And um, last question I have here. So we know the popular Florida beaches, right? Like you have Miami Beach, you have um, maybe Jacksonville or something like that. Clearwater, another popular one. Do you, is there one beach that you think is being underrated? That like, oh, this is actually really nice, but not many people actually know about it. Mm. 
So I grew up near Clearwater Beach, but just south of that is St. Pete Beach, mm-hmm. which I prefer personally because it's a little bit quieter, but the sands are just as white and the water's just as clear. So I would probably say St. Pete Beach. And I will second that because my friend lives in Jack. One of my good friends lives in, lived in Jacksonville and we actually went to St. Pete and I was, uh, yeah, I was really surprised how not overran it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so also a supporter of St. Pete as well. <laughs> All right, Sam. So thank you very much for playing How Florida Is This. Hope, hope this was a good game. Um, but we are going to move on to a very important part of your University of Florida college experience. Um, let me see if I can do the hand sign right. Oh, oh boy. Yes? Oh boy. <laughs> what is, what um, is, you're close. You're missing close. The, middle, the middle finger. Okay, what, what sign am I trying to do? <laughs> it is a triangle on the top for yep. delta and yep. a V on the bottom for zeta. <laughs> Got you. So we are obviously talking about delta zeta, your days there. Um, so this is a question I asked Jack um, in the previous episode. I kind of want to ask you the same question because I don't know if it's different for fraternities and sororities. So uh, when I looked up on the website, there are 18 sororities um, at the University of Florida. How out of all of those 18 did you choose Delta Zeta? Well, you do have to go through the rush process, which can be a bit hectic to say that, oh boy, to say the least. Yes, can but, I quote, can I quote something before? Um, go right ahead. So yeah, I was looking at the Delta Zeta of University of Florida website that is officially in my website history. Oh boy. Um, and um, the current recruitment chair had like a page of like explaining like recruitment process. And one of the quotes was a little bit like eyebrow raising to me. Isn't it? <laughs> the truth is recruitment is not for the faint hearted. It is a long process and it can be tough sometimes. What makes the recruitment process so not for the faint hearted? I will say that is not an understatement. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so it is, I want to say it was a seven day long process, which doesn't sound very long, but you go every day for the entire day and you sit in these tents outside of the houses where it's literally a thousand degrees because you're in florida and it's the summertime so you're sweating violently and you're trying to look very presentable so that's like stressor number one that you're sweating so much but you go into every house and then you're just bombarded with questions and you have to be your best self all day while you're sweating and being asked these questions that you probably don't know the answer to and you just have to be very personable, even if you don't click with this person. So I think that can be a struggle, Um, but you do meet people that you really like and that's very rewarding. Gotcha, what was something about Delta Zeta that like, yes, I like this house, they're gonna be towards the top of my list? Um, I just felt very, this sounds very cliche, I felt very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Other houses you walk in and you feel like you're being so harshly judged or you're just not clicking with that person. And that can be very stressful when you're a young person, you don't really know what you're doing or, you know, and you think this other person you're speaking to is judging you straight to your face. So at DZ, whatever, 
um, I just felt very comfortable. They were so chill. We were talking about school. What do you want to study? You know, whatever. It was just very laid back. Got you. Got you, which is very important, I think. If you, yeah. Especially if you're going to spend, what, three or four years with them. With the yeah. Um, if you had to give one piece of advice for a newbie who is just going through the rush process, what would be the one piece of advice that you would supply? I would say if you feel uncomfortable, it's probably not the place for you. And that's okay. You're going to find a place where you feel comfortable. So don't stress or think that something is wrong with you if you're uncomfortable. It's just not the right fit. And that's okay. Absolutely. All right. So wise words of advice. Um, there is another curiosity that I have about sororities in general, because if you probably can tell, I don't know much about sororities. <laughs> so when I was kind of doing my research and going through your Facebook slash Instagram timeline, a, a, a repeating theme that I kept seeing was like costume theme parties, right? Oh, wow. mm -hmm. So I saw like a puppy dog theme, I saw like a rapper theme, I saw like a some sort of like combo flower flower power Dalmatian theme, which I didn't quite understand, but that's okay. Um, I guess my first question is, was there one theme that you just loved um, over the others? Hmm. I can't say there was a specific theme that I loved, but I, oh boy. Um, <laughs> Here's our reindeer scene. Yes. <laughs> yes, this was our big little ceremony. Whatever, we were reindeer. I don't really have an explanation for that. That's okay. But um, there was this one party where we were hosting a Halloween party, and me and my friend dressed up as um, like Siamese twins. Oh, cool! And we okay. shared a T-shirt and the same shoes, and we waddled around all night. <laughs> and we barely—this was like two weeks after we met each other, so that's pretty close quarters. But now, I mean, we're still really, really close, and so I think about that day all the time. Got you. Who comes up with this? Is our curious. Who comes up with the theme ideas? Like who? Who stands up and say, "Ladies, <laughs> it's going to be '80s night for this theme." Like who? Is it like a um, voting process? Is it? Is there someone in charge of this? Like how? How does this get decided? Um. So most of the parties that we would attend were hosted by the fraternity. So the fraternity would decide on this, which is controversial in my opinion. Hmm, but. Okay. Um, if we were to decide, they would usually come up like the, whatever, president, vice president, the board would, exec board would come up with like five ideas. And then at our little weekly meeting, we would raise our hands and vote for whichever one we wanted. Cool. Okay. There you go. Some behind the scenes um, yeah. from Sam. Okay. So we're trying a new segment on this podcast. Um, so where is, well, let, let's see if this works. Let me pull this up real quick. Um, we're going to try because it is time for. This is Hot Takes Corner. So um, what's going to happen here is that I'm going to ask you a question that might be mildly, not so mild, not, not so controversial, honestly. But um, I just wanted your hot take on this opinion here. So. Obviously, in sorority culture, there are a lot of traditions that have been held for many, many years. Um, and, you know, I mean, some of them are great, I'm sure. But I'm sure there's got to be 
one or a couple or maybe more than a couple ones that you're kind of you're kind of thinking in your mind why am i doing this like i'll give you an example like if i had to do a door chant i would question in my mind why in the world am i doing this mm -hmm. all right so hot take time was there ever any tradition that delta zeta did that you kind of thought what why just like why <laughs> um I really disliked Rush. Okay. Really a lot. And it's okay. not a DZ specific thing. We did do chants. Hated. Not fun. <laughs> not fun. Right. I just, I am an awkward person and I'm not cut out for Rush. So I think there are certain people that are cut out for Rush, but me personally, not cut out for it. Right. It's one of those things that's like necessary because you have to know, you know, who you're going to bring in. But it is hard because um, it's very exhausting. You're constantly talking and smiling and being bubbly for who knows how long. For se you said seven days straight, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it could be very it could be very hard too because like if you don't get the sorority that maybe you were expecting to get or like um, other like unexpected turns like that, um, yeah, it could definitely be difficult. So. Yeah, I totally understand why uh, someone may not like Rush. Does, does anyone love Rush? <laughs> there, no, these people exist. Okay. <laughs> they live for <laughs> They live for <laughs> But not me. Did you also have, this is not on my list, but like, did you also have people who like had to, because I knew people in Indiana who like had to like, not delete, but kind of deactivate their social media accounts or like completely change their name or identity or whatever. Like, did, it, did that exist at University of Florida as well? It existed. Gotcha. We would have to, like, I guess you would say delete your Facebook or freeze it or whatever the term is for that entire period of time. Hmm. Again, another thing that I don't think is necessary, but they didn't want you speaking with the potential new members during that time. Like, if they were to Facebook message you and say, like, I enjoyed meeting you or I hate your story or whatever, you couldn't have that interaction. Got you. All right. Hot take served by Sam. So thank you very much. But let's end it on a sweeter note here. Um, so obviously, as I can tell again by your social media accounts, you seem to really enjoy your time at Delta Zeta. Um, what's one saying that you got from Delta Zeta that if you decided not to do the sorority process, maybe you wouldn't have gotten if um, you didn't do Delta Zeta? Um. Again, another cheesy response. No, please. But I would say two of my very best friends I met in the sorority. We lived together for four years and we're still super close, talk almost every day. And I really don't know how I would have met them outside of that. We had different majors. We were studying different things. I don't know how we would have ever come to know each other that way. So I'm very thankful for that. Long live the sisterhood, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so um, let's move on from um, that. So a cool trip that you got to do during your time at University of Florida was um, you got to go to Cusco, Peru um, through an organization called MedLife. Um, so tell me a little bit about this trip. What were you doing in Cusco, Peru? So we went to Cusco for a week and we would work with um, Peruvian doctors and nurses that lived there and served there. 
and we would break up into groups with certain positions and we would go to these extremely rural communities. I mean, not like anywhere you've ever imagined being. And we would just go help them. So they would go, I think once a month with student groups and have a pop-up clinic and they would just serve the community with any of their needs. We had medication, we had everything. Um, no like surgical procedures or anything, but it was just nice to provide like primary care to the community and people would walk. I mean, they would walk 50 miles to get there. It was nuts, but it was really great. So I know this was not your first time outside of the country because I know you went to, I think Amsterdam with, um, was it your dad, I think? No, it was my dad. Yeah, so you've been out of the country before, but mm -hmm. there's definitely a different flavor when you're going to a more touristy parts of a destination and then kind of seeing the, I don't want to say reality, but kind of the challenges that some of the people are facing while being in a certain country. So what, what were some, you, you talked about the having to walk for 50 miles to access medications. What were some other things that really caught your eye um, while you were um, serving, doing your service at uh, Cusco? Um, like I said, it was extremely rural. Um, but I mean, the people that would come to visit us were so great, grateful. Like here, you don't see people, you know, praising you for taking their blood pressure or putting them on a scale. So that was pretty eye-opening. And a lot of them wouldn't wear shoes. They've never worn shoes their whole life. But also something that I thought was really interesting was they don't really take medication unless they're in a dire situation. But the individuals that were walking to come to the clinic, some of them were like 109 years old. Oh, wow. And they would just walk on in 105, 102. We saw so many people that were over 100 and they just look great. They look like they're 60. So that I thought was amazing that they have not, you know, they don't really have access to medical care outside of this pop-up clinic, but they're doing great. So that was so crazy to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Kind of makes you wonder because we have more, like here we have more like access to technology and um, certain things like that. But yeah, it kind of makes you wonder if um, some of this is kind of more harming us than um, doing us some good. Because, um, you know, unfortunately, we don't know a lot of people in the United States that live to 109, 110, what have you. Um, right. Yeah, so very, very interesting. Um, so um, a cool saying that you got to see uh, while you're at Cusco, um, was Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want to ask you, because like, I feel like when, we, when a lot of people travel, we see these beautiful things behind us. And it kind of makes you think a little bit, um, think about something. So let me pull up this picture. Well, okay, it's a, it's, you're not looking at this picture, but that's okay. Um, what do you remember, or what was something you were thinking about while staring off into Machu Picchu? Um, I think, We've just seen so many pictures of the, you know, wonders of the world and you see them online. To me, this looked nothing like the photos, but it was so much prettier. I just think I was surprised because I had this image in my mind, oh, I'm going to go to this place and this is what it's going to look like. And some of it did, but a lot of it was so different than what I had expected. 
And also I was trying really hard to breathe because you're really high and you, you hike up the whole thing and you're, you know, so far above sea level. I mean, people had to go to the hospital because we just couldn't breathe. So that was on my mind, but I definitely think it was interesting how you picture one place to be, you know, so crystal clear, this is what it's going to look like. And then it's so much better than that. Yeah. So it, that's kind of cool because like, even in the pictures, it looks incredible, but you're saying that in person, it really takes the cake on that one. Definitely. Gotcha. And yeah, tell me, cause I've heard about this before. I heard it's quite a process to even make it up to the view that you're able to get to. Could you explain a little bit about how that works? Like how does one get up to Machu Picchu? Well, I know that you can hike um, the entire way from the very bottom of the valley, which props to whoever does that. But we were able to, you go to the valley, which is super touristy, and you get on a train and the train kind of takes you like to the bottom of what you're seeing here. So the valley is like way below this. Mm -hmm. So the train takes you to the bottom of this, I don't even know what you call it, mountain. <laughs> yes. And then you get in a bus and it goes crisscross up the little street that you're looking at here, the white, uh -huh. and you literally think you're going to die. And it's in a normal size bus going on the, whatever, you can imagine. And yes, so then once you're there, you think, oh, I'm pretty close to the top. And then when you're trying to hike up to the top, it's 100% stairs, just oh, goodness. concrete stairs. So there's no like flat. So you go up, you know, whatever, a thousand stairs and there's little spots that you can pull over and take a breath and then you get back on, but <laughs> it's a true stair stepper, but it was worth it. Yeah, so worth it, right? To get up and see this view. Oh yeah. Got you. All right, uh, Sam, there's one more saying that you did in Cusco that Honestly, I'm not really sure what this is. So you kind of have to explain what and why and how, like I, a lot of questions here. So um, can you explain what you are doing in this oh. picture right here? Yes. <laughs> so we found, this is not gonna sound good. We found a bungee jumping center place. Right? Yeah. in outside of Cusco that was recommended to us but we arrived and okay bungee jumping in the U.S. is like fairly expensive to do as an event you know like maybe like 300 bucks or something American dollars we arrived and they say okay your fee will be one American dollar oh my gosh <laughs> and no. we are thinking <laughs> you're putting our lives on the line for one American dollar. We're probably, we probably shouldn't be doing this, but what, what's the worst that can happen, you know? And we get there and we thought that you would be bungee jumping off the side of a mountain, which you kind of are, but at the bottom is a concrete circle with a oh. big red X on it. Oh my God. <laughs> We're in so deep, like you can't back out at that point. So you can't like, get the dollar back, no. You can't, and yes, so. <laughs> You're, once you jump off, your face is like maybe four feet above this concrete red X. It was honestly really terrifying. Um, would I say that I'd do it again? No, but it's really great to say that me and like some of my closest friends all did it together and we all survived. I mean, that's a cool headline, right? Like I bungee jumped in 
Peru for one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> one dollar. My life is worth one American dollar at this place. But that's nice. Eventually, your mom and dad had to see this photo. What were their reactions to oh, this? <laughs> was, it, was, was it great? <laughs> it was not good. I think my cousin saw it on Instagram or something and screenshotted it and sent it to my mom, which was not nice. And she was, no words, very <laughs> disappointed. But I was alive. So at that point, what can you do? Right, that's key because I... My one bungee experience was in Vancouver, and um, I like had someone videoed for me, but I didn't send a video. I did. I, the only thing I did was send a video after I did. Mm, exactly after. Right. Right. So they knew I was okay. Yeah, that's the point. That's the most important thing. Exactly. Um, Sam, there's one question I ask everyone, or mostly everyone who's been traveling a good amount. Let's say that like money doesn't matter, time doesn't matter. You have all the time in the world, whatever. Is there one country that's on your bucket list hmm probably Greece okay I've never been there obviously mm -hmm. um but I would love to go there and my dad is a pilot and he's been everywhere in the world and he always says if I could go anywhere twice it would be Greece and you see the photos and people it just it looks so amazing so that's probably the first on my list I mean, good scenery, good food. I mean, what more can you want, really? Not much. And like hummus. Oh, hummus. Yeah, there, that's true. There is hummus as well. Um, all right, Sam. So one last topic that I want to cover in this interview here is, um, okay, so you graduated from the University of Florida. Now you're in the School of Medicine. And something that um, you've joined uh, while being here is the Wellness Coalition, which I think it's awesome because that's something that's, you know, very important right now uh, during the, especially during these times, especially. Mm -hmm. So um, to kind of kick off this conversation, how did you, how and why did you decide to get involved in the Wellness Coalition in the first place? Um, well, so they were asking us to have volunteers or people running to be the wellness liaisons in Bloomington. And I think throughout my undergrad, wellness was really important to me being a cycling instructor, but also you get to go to these wellness conferences and wellness training and you do a lot um, through this program at UF, which I thought was really awesome. And then coming and moving somewhere by myself where I didn't really know anyone starting at IU, I think I really had to prioritize my wellness just to be able to get through it, especially at least the first couple of weeks. Um, so I think that's always kind of been a priority um, in my life and growing up and becoming an adult and having these hardships in school, just something that I've always had to prioritize to make it through. And also my pal Uni wanted to do it with me. So they said, you know, if you want to run with someone that you think would, you guys think you would, you know, do well together and accomplish things together. She and I just really clicked on that even when we were just becoming friends. So I think she influenced us doing that as well. Yeah, strengths and numbers, right? It's always better to do it with um, a good friend of yours, especially in a, um, I don't know what the right word, I don't want to say difficult because that doesn't sound great, but like, I don't want to say challenging either, but a complex, a complex kind of um, position. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of which, 
is there something about mental health that you learn while being a leadership position um, about mental health? Um, we do talk about it often, but I think what we learned kind of as a team and making these events for a very diverse group of students is that mental health looks so different for so many people. Like my idea of mental health and being you know, mentally well is so different from what someone else might say or might you know imagine being at their peak wellness. So I thought that was really interesting to see what other people prioritize in their wellness and kind of making that a part of your life and a part of the student wellness program and everything like that. That's so true because I, you know, for me, like going on a run, like really clears my head, but for other people it could be music. It could be writing exactly. it out. It could be, there's a, definitely a lot of ways to um, um, make yourself well. And, you know, there's not one that's better than the other necessarily. It's just mm -hmm. whatever works best for you. Um, as long as um, as long as you're well, then you know there's no question about it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we're obviously going through an interesting time um, in the world right now. Um, you know, pandemic, and then all of the um, all of the protests and the injustice that we're um, for some of us like being really exposed to others who have lived it um, for basically their entire life. Um, in the med school world, like, you know, it seems so minuscule compared to everything else, but, you know, we have these exams, national exams that we have to get out of the way. So, you know, it's, it's been a 2020, first half at least, has been a relatively, um, you know, it's been a challenge for some people with mental health. So I guess my question to you is, for anyone listening to this who is, um, maybe not feeling, maybe they're at 70% today. Um, what are some like go-tos or advice or wise words of wisdom that you would be telling this person right now? Um, I think at least for me personally, this might not apply for everyone, but I think it's really important to take time, if that's five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, every day to think about how am I feeling and why do I feel this way? And I think thinking about that, talking to yourself about it, and also reaching out to your friends who are close to you or who you think will understand the way that you're feeling and just talk to them about it. Like I know I've reached out to friends thinking, you know, maybe I'm overreacting, maybe I'm underreacting. How do I feel about this? And they're so understanding and totally under like, you just click and you feel like, I'm not alone. I understand why I feel this way. And so many other people feel the same way that I do. And it's okay to feel this way. So I think that's been really important for me, just taking time, you know, when we're in med school, we kind of like shove all of sure. the things. And you know, I'll yeah, deal absolutely. with this later, how absolutely. I'm feeling today. Or I'm gonna stop crying in 10 seconds because I'm at the library and I'm gonna shove this away into the corner. Right. But we have a little bit of time now at least since we are taking online classes, whatever, we're in the comfort of our own home to kind of address these things directly. And I think that's been really helpful, at least for me and a lot of my friends. Absolutely. Um, so if, if there's any med student from IUSM who's listening to this right now and um, they want to 
maybe like learn about a resource or two. What's a good way to connect with the Wellness Coalition? Um, I think if you know anyone on the board, obviously message them directly. We're so welcome to texting, Facebook, whatever, email, however you want to get a hold of us. We would love to talk to you. But I also think um, Dr. Lasik and the psychiatry team at IU has been really awesome at addressing these like immediate concerns, meeting with students within a couple hours. Um, you know, they're just very, they've made themselves very available during this time. And I think a lot of people sometimes think, well, I'm not having an emergency, you know, I'm okay. I don't need to call anyone would be very surprised to see how useful they can be as a resource. You don't have to be in an emergency. They're just someone to speak to. If you don't want to speak to us, or if you feel like they'll be a better service for you. So I would say don't be afraid to reach out to them via email or you can do it on an IU form directly. Yeah, absolutely. And to anyone not from IUSM who's listening to this, just remember it's okay to not be okay. Um, I think, I'm sure you've seen it too, like there is still a stigma maybe of like trying to reach out for mental health resources. And um, yeah, it's just important that like, as you, as you mentioned before, just talking to someone about it, just, you know, having an ear to talk to, mm -hmm. whether it's a phone call, whether it's, whether it's with a friend or a lifeline operator or what have you, just having an ear to talk to um, can make a huge difference that maybe you weren't expecting. Um, a lot of it, I, I don't know, maybe you want to weigh on this too, but I think a lot of it is just the simple validation that, um, you know, what you're feeling is not as abnormal as uh, you might think it might be. Definitely. Yeah. All right, Sam, uh, we are running out of time here. <laughs> um, I want to thank you very, thank you very much. This has been a fun interview, uh, a lot of Florida stuff um, and a lot of um, important messages out here as well. Thanks for having me. I'm so absolutely. glad we did this. Yes, absolutely. All right, everyone. We have succeeded in today's mission. We have proved that Sam Mello is more than just a medical student. Thank you guys everyone for to joining tonight's episode. Um, please uh, listen to the past episodes available on Cultura and maybe other platforms in the future. And yeah, can't wait to have you for our next guest. Have a good evening everyone and see you later. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Uh, thank you to Brett Laus for creating the podcast logo for this podcast. To check out his work, uh, he actually has a new website. Go to www.brett-laus.squarespace.com. That is www.brett-laus, Brett with two T's, laus, L-A-U-X, dot squarespace.com. All right, everybody, have a great day.